Corey is Aboriginal in New South Wales, which represents me and my community. I recall dabbling into mum's um, frocks when I was about five, six or seven. Mm. Um, I knew there was something underlying, but I just didn't know exactly what it was. Welcome to Country is to welcome people onto our country yeah. and wish them safety, wish them well mm. on their stay and wish them safety on their journeys back home to their home. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. The World Bank yanks funding from anti-queer Uganda. Iraq could force sexuality and gender language back into the closet. And a Kuri drag queen fights for her nation. Those stories and more this week because you've chosen This Way Out. I'm Ava Davis. And I'm Marcos Najera. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending August 12, 2023. Uganda is paying a price for its Anti-Homosexuality Act 2023. The World Bank announced on August 8th that it's pausing all new loans to the country. Global human rights groups label the latest version of the law deeply repressive. And the bank expressed its position in a press statement that reads, We believe our vision to eradicate poverty on a livable planet can only succeed if it includes everyone, irrespective of race, gender, or sexuality. This law undermines those efforts. Inclusion and non-discrimination sit at the heart of our work around the world. Uganda's High Court struck down the 2014 iteration of its Kill the Gays law on a legal technicality. This year's version, again, punishes aggravated homosexuality with execution. Entrenched autocratic president Yoweri Museveni signed the draconian measure in May. In response to the World Bank's sanctions, Museveni insisted Uganda will develop with or without loans. The East African nation's foreign affairs minister, Okello Oreyem, complained to Reuters that no similar actions have been taken against several Middle Eastern and Asian countries with equally harsh anti-queer laws. However, other government officials admit privately that the loss of development funding could have a significant impact. Queer Ugandan activist Frank Mugisha applauded the World Bank action. He called on his country's high court to repeat history and overturn the current version of the Kill the Gays law. Iraq will become the don't-say-homosexual, homosexuality, or gender country if the Communications and Media Commission has its way. The agency is confining all media outlets and social media platforms to the use of one term only, sexual deviance. Phone and internet companies licensed under the commission would be required to stop saying homosexual, homosexuality, or gender on their mobile apps, due to the negative connotations of these terms in Iraqi society. Human rights groups like Amnesty International call the move the latest in a series of attacks on freedom of expression under the guise of respect for public morals. The commission's directive has not yet been greenlighted by the government. No specific penalties have been announced, although significant fines are likely to be attached. 
private consensual adult same-gender sex is technically not against the law in Iraq, but violence and discrimination against LGBTQ people is commonplace in the socially conservative, primarily Muslim West Asian nation. A bill to officially criminalize homosexual acts was introduced in Parliament last month. Malaysia's Home Ministry has banned all products by Swiss watchmaker Swatch that include rainbow colors or any overt or covert LGBTQ elements to ensure public safety and peace. The ministry calls the timepieces possibly detrimental to morality, public interest, and national interest by promoting, supporting, and normalizing the LGBTQ movement, which is not accepted by the general public of Malaysia. Same gender sex is against the law there and punished by up to 20 years in prison. Anyone found wearing or simply in possession of those watches or their packaging could spend up to three years in prison or find the equivalent of about 4,400 US dollars. The government raided Swatch watch shops across Malaysia in May and seized hundreds of suspect products. That prompted a lawsuit by Swatch demanding the return of hundreds of confiscated watches and other items that the suit says have no connection to LGBTQ activism. The attack on what are perceived to be queer-supportive Swatch watches is just the latest example of increasing anti-LGBTQ repression in the Muslim-majority Southeast Asian nation. The government recently shut down a Good Vibes music festival in Kuala Lumpur, after British rocker Maddie Healy of the 1975 railed against the laws on stage and defiantly kissed the band's male bassist. Swatch Group Chief Executive Nick Hayek wonders how peace and love could be harmful. He asked Al Jazeera whether government officials would try to ban rainbows in the sky. China's government has no love for the rainbow either, especially in this chart-topping song out of Taiwan. That's Ah Meiyi performing her hit song Rainbow in concert, but not in Beijing, where it was directly forbidden. The artist and queer ally says that she specifically wrote the song for her LGBTQ fans. They frequently wear rainbow attire and wave rainbow flags at her concerts in anticipation of hearing what has become a queer rights anthem in Taiwan. But security officials ordered concert goers to her gigs at Beijing's Cadillac Center to remove their colorful clothes and trash their rainbow flags and paraphernalia before entering the venue. China officially decriminalized same-gender sex in 1997 and removed it from psychiatric diagnostic manuals in 2001. However, President Xi Jinping has led a far more hostile government since he became Communist Party leader in 2013. Singapore authorities did allow Ameyi to perform Rainbow at her July concerts there, but according to Asia One News, attendees' rainbow flags were confiscated. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Another judicial appointment of the disgraced and indicted former U.S. president has come back to bite progressive legal precedent. Trump appointed Texas federal district judge 
Brantley Starr, has ordered lawyers for Southwest Airlines to take religious liberty training from an organization identified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an anti-queer hate group. Judge Starr calls the Alliance Defending Freedom an esteemed nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving free speech and religious freedom. He failed to acknowledge that the ADL is a leading legal foe of LGBTQ and women's rights. Starr's directive comes in the case of Southwest Airlines flight attendant Charlene Carter. Carter successfully won a federal discrimination lawsuit against the company and the union in 2021 after she was allegedly fired for expressing her pro-life belief to her union president. Along with ordering Carter's reinstatement, Starr told the company and union to inform Southwest flight attendants that, under Title VII, they may not discriminate against Southwest flight attendants for their religious practices and beliefs, including, but not limited to, those expressed on social media and those concerning abortion. Southwest changed the words may not discriminate to does not discriminate, and Starr considered that a breach of his order. The judge cited both the Lord of the Bible and the Lord of the Rings in commanding Southwest lawyers to take at least eight hours of religious liberty instruction from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Spokespeople for the ADF were surprised to be named in Starr's order, since they were not involved in the flight attendant's lawsuit. They certainly welcomed the chance to provide what they called training on applicable laws barring religious discrimination. Both the company and the union have appealed the judge's original ruling and say they'll also appeal his latest sanctions. The training is to be completed no later than August 28th. Finally, the rural Oklahoma town of Prague celebrated its first LGBTQ pride on August 5th. Oklahoma City area public radio station KGOU had a reporter on scene to capture the festivities, which drew about 30 of the town's 2,500 people to Prague Park. I really wanted there to be something closer to home where I live here in Prague. Rebecca LaFollette was one of the local organizers. And we've gotten a lot of, you know, backlash, some death threats, some people saying that if we hosted a pride here, you know, we wouldn't be leaving alive. Brian Paddock and Jacob Jeffrey have led the group Rural Oklahoma Pride for the past two years. They helped to bring their latest event to Prague and join La Follette in the celebration. We both come from smaller communities, and in our smaller communities, we don't have the support for the LGBTQIA communities. We hear you. We see you. We love you. And know you're never alone. We're here. We're clear. We're not going anywhere. One, three, scream pride. One, two, three, pride. That's News Wrap. Global Queer News with Attitude for the week ending August 12, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Ava Davis. Stay healthy. And I'm Marcos Najera. Stay safe. G'day, you mob. I'm No Vagina, one of Australia's most fabulous Aboriginal drag queens, and you're listening to This Way Out.
our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give us online at thiswayout.org. Thank Thank you. you. white colonialism and the attempted eradication of black and indigenous people of color's culture has repeated itself around the world for centuries. In the part of the land down under known as Kuringai, the aboriginal legacy is well represented by the drag alter ego of Graham Sims. Her performance and political namesake is Greece's Europop icon, Joanna Nana Muscuri. She talks about her art and activism with this out correspondent Barry Mackay in Sydney. Hello, Nana Muscuri. You're one of Australia's foremost up-and-coming First Nations drag queens. Can you explain to an international audience the meaning behind your drag name? Well, hello. Um, welcome um, onto Gadigal Country, where we are doing the live recording. It is the fabulous Nana Muscuri. My name. Um, eventuated from the glorious Nana Muscuri, the Greek artist, yeah. and um, I was... Who's um, internationally known. Who's yeah. very, very well known. I think she's about 85, 86 now. Mm. I wanted to incorporate her name meaning to do with mine as mm. um, Nana Muscuri. And for the, for the audience that do not know, Kuri is Aboriginal in New South Wales which represents me and my community. So Aboriginals from most of New South Wales would call themselves a Koori. Koori, K-O-O-R-I. And also in Victoria too, I believe, the state of Victoria. Correct. Yeah. Um, And different states have different meaning for their culture. Like Um, in Queensland, they've got a different name too. In Queensland, they're known as Murray. Yeah. Um, In Western Australia, it's um, Noongar. Noongar, yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's some in northern parts of New South Wales that are also um, as Murray. I grew up, I was born here on Gadigal Country, um, Crown Street Women's Hospital. Here in Sydney? Uh, Here in Sydney, between Gadigal Country here in around Darlinghurst, Surrey Hills, Bidjigal Country at La Perouse, I have bloodline connection through to there. And also down, my lineage goes down to Ewan Country where I grew up for 27 years, part of my life. Which is the New South Wales south coast. South coast of, of, south coast of Sydney, it's about two and a half hours south of Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. And did you live on an Aboriginal reserve for a while there? Yes, yeah, so many, many years ago, with the, it was with the churches, you know, government, they put, what would you say, reserves. Yeah, like, because we had, pretty, we had pretty old draconian uh, system for separation of of Aboriginal people for many, many years. So they actually um, separated us pretty much from the wider community today, known today as missions um, or reserves, um, which are managed by um, the churches um, with ministers and so forth like that. And um, the missions still exist today. Mm. Do you have happy memories in your childhood of growing up on that mission or that reserve? 
or was it pretty restrictive? Well, I think in 1974, my grandparents um, moved my family off the mission mm. um, through the fact that housing, the Department of Housing wanted to give or offer people off the missions a better lifestyle. Um, and my grandfather, my uh, maternal grandfather, took that opportunity on. So he gave my mother um, and her siblings the better opportunity to get to hospital, for health means, um, for education, for employment. And that pretty much took us that way, where it was closer off the missions into city style, lifestyle. What fascinated you first about getting into Dragon? How old were you? I recall dabbling into mum's um, frocks when I was about five, six or seven. Yeah. Um, I, I recall I'd locked myself into my mother's bedroom, the old housing commission where I'd, I'd get a bread and butter knife um, and put it in the, in the door for my security and safety. And my mother knew what I was doing. However, my elder male sibling, my younger um, brother, um, you know, male sibling that they they used to make fun of me and stuff like that. Yeah, so five, six or seven. Um, and I knew there was something underlying, but I just didn't know exactly what it was. Mm. Was there much opportunity at first in Sydney as a First Nations person to do public drag performances? Um, the only time that that came from was from our social support group, um, where we went from um, a social support group called Black Pearls I recall, um, I think it was 2009, I did a performance at the Lord Raglan Hotel um, on Henderson um, Street. Is that in Redfern? Yeah, just at the bottom of Redfern. So Redfern, for international listeners, is the traditional area where a lot of Aboriginal people live. Yeah, uh, uh, very well known of, of the of, block. Of Sydney, yeah. Yeah, yeah very yeah. well known of the block. Um, it was a meeting place. Yeah. Um, where everybody come from all over um, over New South Wales, even outside of New South Wales, to come and meet people, their family, on, on the block themselves. So it was always Redfern very, very well known of um, the meeting place. It was like what, what I would call a corroboree, where people would come together um, in song, dance and, and, and meet in, in person and, and just gather and support one another. What sort of venues do you perform at now? Um, well, it's, it's more um, because I've been performing uh, for quite some time now. I used to do quite regularly at the Imperial Hotel, the very iconic Imperial Hotel. However, that changes hands. Um, you know, they have different um, people come in, events managers and stuff like that. So it's been probably about four or five years since I've actually been back there. However, things have really... Um, got busy for me I should say. And you've been really promoted this year with World Pride haven't you? I believe I have been Barry. Tell me about I, that. I believe um, my nephew um, was at Sydney Airport, Sydney International Airport, it sends me a little text message says hey Unc do you know that you're on the billboard here in um, at the uh, International Airport? There's a big picture of you in, in full drag doing um, like a, a promo. Yes I've done photo. Yeah, I've yeah. done uh, a lot of work with ACON, Age Council of New South Wales. Yep. You know, I've just been busy um, promoting organisations, promoting First Nations people, mm. which I'm a big advocate for, mm. our, our mob. Um, which is good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a bit of a pioneer in regards with that. That's great. And I have been involved with the ABC. Um, Excellent. I, I did um, a Austra recording. That's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Correct, yes, yeah. where I've actually done a little bit of work 
this week I did some recordings for uh, Welcome to Country for Mardi Gras for this year. As a Gadigal community elder, it is my role to welcome you all onto Gadigal Country. My name is Nana Miss Quarry, Redfern's very own First Nations drag queen. I pay my respect to our pioneers, people that have paved the way for me. First Nations people are not just the oldest living culture in Australia. We are the oldest continuous living culture in the world. And that is something for each and every one of us to be proud of. I welcome each and every one of you onto Gadigal Country. I wish you safety on your stay and I wish you happiness on your journeys home. I would like to welcome you back to Oxford Street for Mardi Gras 45th anniversary. Happy Mardi Gras! And they're pretty gay friendly, aren't they? The Very gay friendly. Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. Couple of sexy ones in there, I must say, if yeah. I can. <laughs> can you explain to an international audience what Welcome to Country is and why it's so important? Well, Welcome to Country, Barry, is it's protocol for our people. Um, and it's about, you know, traditional people um, like myself, a Gadigal person, can only do a welcome to country. So I've been involved to do the last four or five uh, welcome to country. Um, so the Gadigal lands would be the, the area around metropolitan Sydney? Yes, correct. Yeah. And then you've got, because of COVID the last few years, um, mm. Mardi Gras still went ahead, but mm. it was on, on the lands of the Bidjigal people, which is also my lineage. Yeah. Um, so I was within my um, lineage right yeah. to be able to do Welcome to Country. Okay. Um, now it's coming back onto Oxford Street, yep. which is on Gadigal Country. Okay. Um, so I'm within my right. But a Welcome to Country is to welcome people onto our country yep. um, and wish them safety, wish them well on mm. their stay, mm. and w wish them safety on their journeys back home to their home. So traditionally, what did that mean if a if before colonisation, if somebody from another uh, Aboriginal group wanted to pass through or enter into another um, person's country, group, yeah. What, what, what was the protocol there? So protocol is that they have to seek permission from that actual country um, through traditional owners yeah. before they actually come through. And yeah. I spruik that. When I say that, I actually do say that in my welcomes to make sure that protocol is still being adhered to. Yeah. A lot of people do not. Mm. I've, I've still seen people here at, in attendance at Fair Day mm. that as a traditional owner, they have not come through to me. Mm. And I'm not the only traditional owner here on mm. Gadigal Country. Mm. However, and it's a reminder to people out there that it is protocol. So people do not know their own cultural protocol, go back to your elders and find out what exactly it is. Mm -hmm. Or come and see me. Now how's your career taking off now that you've had such a lot of media exposure? Oh look, um, I think it all happened after my separation from, um, from my ex about, I don't know, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, a lot of my um, 
how would you say, he was also a drag queen. Yeah. Um, I supported him and my drag actually, I, how would you say, was put to sleep, so to speak. And then after my separation, like the world's been my oyster. I've performed two and a half years ago. I was at Newry, Northern Ireland. Um, as a Gadigal representative, a First Nations and representative. And that was for the uh, World Pride bid, wasn't it? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So I was there for World Pride bid. Yeah. Um, and then in October yeah. of 2019, we were there for the AGM, um, yeah. where, you know, Nana performed. Um, where she performed, she was a, a spokesperson for um, Gadigal people. Um, to let people know exactly what's happening to our mob here, yeah. Um, not just on Gadigal country, but certainly, you know, to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here in Australia, through the fact that there's a very high death rate of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander deaths in custody, mm. stolen generation, I worked in child protection, that was a big part of uh, the stolen generation in, in the early 70s. Intergenerational trauma as well. Yes, and it's still succeeding, it's still happening today. Yeah. However, I worked in for community services. Yeah. I was a child protection caseworker. Yeah. And, you know, that was about 11 years ago yeah. that I finished up with them. But they just worded differently. The high rates of uh, children being removed into outer home care is, is disgusting. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, but it doesn't stop me. You know, it just determines me. Mm. And I'm a proud Gadigal, Bidjigal, Ewan, um, with Darragh lineage, um, to be able to represent my people in frock or as Graham. Um, but I, I'd certainly like to pay homage to um, my elders, my pioneers, um, that have paved the way for me to be able to do what I'm doing. Certainly for the 78ers, you know, it means a lot to me. However, it's, it's the hard work that we put in, um, but be grateful and never forget our warriors that have um, passed, that have actually made our pathway a little bit easier. With thanks to Nana Miss Koori, this is Barry Mackay in Sydney, Australia, for This Way Out. nothing so international as a powerful idea. I'm Edmund White. It is the overwhelming international flavor of the lesbian and gay rights movement that has proved so powerful over the past couple of decades. And one radio program has been there to record, to inform, and to entertain. So please keep listening to This Way Out, the international lesbian and gay radio magazine on this station. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was recorded this week by Ava Davis and Marcos Nara and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our correspondent was Barry Mackay. Amea, Abba, Greetings Clearwater Revival, and Midnight Oil performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson, composer, performed our theme music. 
This Without Thanks, David Hunt and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. We hope you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Greg Gordon. We thank you for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts and on KPOV Bend, Oregon, WELT Fort Wayne, Indiana, 2NCR South Lismore, New South Wales, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.